welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Kuhn, joined as always by my older brother, Michael. It's draft week, baby! It is draft week, baby. I'm, I'm excited to have something to talk about, about the NFL, about the Browns, something that's, that's new and fresh and exciting. The NFL has done it again. They're a 52-week sport, which is just uncanny, given that they play 16, now 17 weeks out of the year, but they, they find a way to do it. Uh, we are not joined by our little brother, Mark. He is uh, bailing on us again. Bailing on us again in full-blown wedding preparations. Also has a full-time job that he is constantly being promoted at and recently bought a house. So we will forgive him for his, shall we say, lack of priorities. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's lack of priorities or not. But I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, keep your mouth shut there. Speaking of Mark and his house, we had a chance just a minute ago to give Grandpa a call. Uh, <laughs> he has some opinions about Mark uh, and the joys of home ownership. Uh, so we had a great conversation with him. Here's what Grandpa has to say. Hello. Hey, Grandpa, it's Matthew. How are you? <laughs> How you doing, Matthew? I'm doing good. I was just calling. It's been a while since we since we've talked. So just, yeah, just calling to check just, in, see what you're doing. I just uh, I just talked to your dad a little while ago. I heard you guys were over painting uh, Mark's house, huh? Yeah. So uh, fortunately, I got out of that. I I didn't <laughs> I, I did not participate. Uh, but yeah, Mark and Zoe and Mom and Dad were over there painting. Um, I had my own home improvement projects to work on. Uh-huh. So. I guess, I guess uh, that Mark is making quite a haul from tools and stuff, you know, from what I understand. Yeah. From, yeah. So he's, we had a, a wedding shower for them. Yeah. Uh, we hosted one on Saturday night at our house. Um, uh-huh. he, he got a whole bunch of tools. So he, he asked me, I helped him put his list together. Because he didn't, he didn't quite know what what he needed or, or what what he should ask for. Now, so, now all he needs is to have you guys show him what the tools are for. Yeah, how to how to use them. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll that'll be the next step. He's he's got all the fancy tools now. He just needs to know what. To yeah, do. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna find out being a homeowner. He's gonna find out in a hell of a hurry what those tools are for. <laughs> Uh, what are you doing tonight? Well, I was uh, we were out uh, shopping and everything, and I, I, uh, I got a bat problem. I got them in behind my shutters again. Oh, so, okay. So, so I made a made a bat house. Okay, <laughs> so hopefully that they they go live in there instead of. Well, I gotta shutters. put it. I gotta. I gotta put it up in the right at the, at the right at the gable end of the house in the back, and yeah. I put it up. And uh, so I, I hope that they evacuate. I got some stuff coming from uh, uh, from Amazon that's supposed to chase bats. So I'm going to put them behind the shutters, and hopefully they'll leave there and go into the bat house. What's the and problem you, with bats living behind your shutters? I mean, they're still outside your house. They're not inside. Yeah, I know, but they make they make some. They make some noises and like stuff, yeah. and of... you know, and, and well, and they uh, when they crap and they 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 shit that when they piss, 
and they, it, it's almost like uh, it's uh, it's almost got a white haze to it, like you know, so so you can tell when uh, where they at because of the the urine, you know, it's like uh, got a white haze to it. So anyway, and then I I I got some shutters. I got three three long uh, three long window shutters and one shirt one, and I was gonna. Uh, the, I, I made those about 20 years ago, and some of the, the ones on the one side of the house are, are, are getting dry rot from water. And I was pretty careful when I'm putting them together. But what are you going to do? So I, I thought that it's been <laughs> 20 that, years, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I figured, well, you I, outlasted I, the shutters. Congratulations. <laughs> so. Anyway, I, uh, I, uh, your dad was saying that uh, you guys are in a couple of uh, uh, a couple showers, was it? Uh, yeah, some something like that. They, so we they did. call them they call them couple showers. Yeah, when, when that, the men have to go, that's the way they describe them. Yeah, well, I I imagine back in your day, you didn't have to go to many wedding showers. Uh, I went. As, I I went to zero. <laughs> That sounds I, nice. That sounds Wendy nice. Caught I'm dead in a shower. Wendy caught dead in a shower. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, now I guess uh, I guess it's the your father says, well, you know, I have to talk to him. He said, well, back in your day, they had never had anything like that. <laughs> I said, he's rotten kid, you know. He's... <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, on that on that same vein, Grandpa, have you have you seen or? Are you aware of the kind of like gender reveal parties that people are doing now when they're pregnant and are having a baby and they do this like elaborate stunt to kind of like tell their friends and family what gender their baby is? No. Have you seen this? So the only reason I think that you might have seen it is that there's like people are just going crazy with this. They're like blowing up like bombs that have like tinted powder in them. So it like, puffs like blue and they end up like starting forest fires and things uh i i I think that there's something seriously wrong with our generation well they never did they never did stupid things like that when i was younger (laughs) yeah nothing you never did anything dumb i'm sure so well grandpa are you are you tuned in to the nfl draft at all like do you know do you care (laughs) Well, I, I'm not too much up on the on these uh, on these college guys. You know, the only one I know is Lawrence. He's going through, he's going number one, and I think that the the Browns are are going to draft a ed, edge rusher. I I believe. I don't I don't think they would need to do anything else. But anyway, uh, I I haven't been keeping track of the of the college drafting. No. What are you going to watch missing? it? Yeah. I won't. I I watch the I watch the first maybe the first five six six you know. But then in, in the middle rounds, I don't know anybody yet. I, you know these players. I just want to see who the hell the Browns get. You know where they draft with what twenty six or something. You got it. Uh, yeah. So I'll I'll see who who they get. But uh, so what, what else? Do you think? What other nah? what other positions do you think the Browns need to need to draft? I mean, we've we've signed some of these guys in the off season to the secondary, and that that's looking pretty good. The defensive Safe. line's looking pretty good. Yeah. What about Clowney? What do you think about the Browns picking up Clowney? Uh, 
it's, it's all right if, if the guy stays healthy and they didn't, didn't break the bank get paying him. Uh, he might have one or two good years left in him. I don't know, but he was. I I hope they had something in his in his uh, uh, contract uh, that saying that if he's getting hurt, he's he's, he's not going to get paid because he's uh, he, he he's uh, like an accident going someplace to happen. When he's healthy, he's damn good. But <laughs> when he's on a bench, he's not helping anybody. Yeah, I mean that's true for anybody. We sign anybody on a one-year deal. That's kind of the risk you're taking is that yeah. they're going to stay healthy and you're rolling the dice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say if they stay healthy for one year, maybe maybe uh, you could you know maybe you get another year or two out of them. But you're not going to give them you're not going to give them a long-term contract. Uh, that not in his case anyway. I don't know what they I don't know what uh, what he signed for, but I know that. I know that he wanted to have a lot more than they were willing to pay him when that's when all the trips he made back to Cleveland, you know, uh, trying to negotiate. So I, he probably settled for a hell of a lot less than he wanted. When you come up for Mark's wedding, are you going to spend some time up here? Or, yeah. or are you coming in and leaving first thing? No, no, no. We're, we're coming. Uh, we're coming. We're leaving on a Tuesday and we're going to get to your dad's house on Wednesday afternoon. Okay. And and then we're gonna we're gonna go on some house tours. Okay, then you're coming with us to the bachelor party, right? That weekend. Uh, I I didn't hear anything about the bachelor party. <laughs> uh, I'll 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 text you about it later. You're invited, but dad is not. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't gonna drink, are you? No, not at all. Of course oh, not. Okay. We're, we're choir boys. Yeah, no, you know that's that. why your that's why your father's not invited. You, <laughs> you have to get it. You have to get some milk. Some milk for him. He did. He did drink. He did drink a beer once when I saw him. Half a one. <laughs> once. Yeah, half a one. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, I, it, it, it should be it should be one hell of a good weekend. I'll say that. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to having you up here. I know that uh, if you don't get those shutters built, you can come use your son's big fancy workshop. We've got a thickness planer that works just fine. Yeah, uh, I told him. I told him that I I sure as hell hope that I had a workshop like that. I told him I said if I had this workshop, I I wouldn't even. Be in the house, I'd be down here. All well, he doesn't well, even—he doesn't even build anything. He's just been building the workshop for twenty years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, he doesn't have time to scratch his ass. He's so damn busy all the time. <laughs> I don't know how the hell he can figure he's going to have a workshop. You know. <laughs> That's true. You're not wrong about that. I—I uh... I told him. I said, hey, "You're the last guy in the world that needs a workshop." I said, "You're never in it." I said, I'm glad Matthews will use it, at least. <laughs> yeah, I, I go down there and I, I uh, muck it up, you know, like leave, mess it up, leave tools out, sawdust, and then his next project about every couple months is going and putting everything away. And that's he feels like he's done stuff in the workshop, just cleaning up. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to having you up here, uh, seeing all of our houses. I know Dad, yeah. Dad's really – I don't know if you're excited about doing that, but Dad's really excited about showing you all of our houses. Oh, I'm, 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 
I'm excited about seeing them. That's why I'm coming early. Oh, well, that's great. All right, we'll do it. We'll do it on Wednesday and Thursday before we <laughs> yeah. before we have wedding activities. Oh yeah, that's what that's what we plan to do. Look at the do uh, inspecting houses. Yeah. All right, well, we'll so. we'll have uh, you, mom and dad, and uh, Nancy over for dinner uh, <laughs> when, Wednesday or Thursday when you get in town. We'll okay. sh- show you the whole new house. Oh yeah, give me the nickel tour. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay, guys. See you, Grandpa. Okay. Thanks for calling. Go Browns. Go, Go Browns. Browns. Okay. <laughs> nice. Man, all I got to say is poor dad. Just <laughs> Grandpa's just giving dad the business today. <laughs> Was holding uh, back nothing. No t- prisoners. He's a teetotaler and uh... doesn't have time to scratch his ass. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the the, uh, the the best line there. Uh, I I was trying to when he was saying these things, I was putting like myself in this position of like one. I can't imagine my dad saying things about me like that, just because, quite frankly, they're just not true. But then me being the grandfather in this situation, like forty years from now, just talking shit about my son. <laughs> And that is something I could definitely see happening. It's more like 50 years from now. Too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, more than that for you, since you, you got to get on the horse if you want if you want to have that opportunity, to be perfectly honest. Yes. Yes. We're, uh, yeah, no, we're running out of time. No, the, the math is not in my favor at, at this point. Uh, oh, man. Uh, Dad, if you're listening... Um, I'm I'm sorry about all that. Sorry about all that. But we did not prompt it. It was entirely your father. So take it up with him. <laughs> and I think you know enough to know that we're we're that's not a surprise. All right, 2021 NFL draft. Yeah, man, we're getting there. Feels a little different for the Cleveland Browns this year. Being picking at 26 feels good. Picking at 26, no doubt. Especially with where this roster is, and we just came out of free agency. In this last week, I want to talk about some of the moves that came out in the last week or two. Some big roster moves on the defensive line. Signed Jadavian Clowney, which has been like a a two-year courtship. Now, finally have him in the building on a one-year $8 million deal that can go up to $10 million with incentives. Uh, Grandpa will will be happy to know that that it's it's not fully guaranteed, uh, that $10 million. He has to stay on the field to get that $10 million, but... I think in Grandpa's mind, he shouldn't be paid anything if he gets hurt, which just isn't how this works. Um, I'm excited about Jadavian Clowney. Before we talk about any of the other corresponding moves that that happened around that, what do you think about the Clowney move? Is that kind of the piece that you wanted to see on our defensive line, given who we had? Uh, How do you you see it working together? Um, What do you think? I love the Clowney move, particularly given the price we paid for him, right? Um, I think $8 million for a guy that has a pretty high ceiling as a defensive end in this league. And I think he's also a really good complement to Miles Garrett. He's not a pure pass-rushing defensive end. The best thing about Jadavian Clowney's game has been well documented that he's a phenomenal top-tier run stopper. He can play inside and pivot and go inside when if we want to bring in Tack McKinley to play Um, the other edge opposite Garrett on, you know, pass rushing downs. There's a lot of flexibility with him. He's a guy that I feel like, um, and we've kind of got, if you look at that position group, 
Miles just signs his extension, and that kind of is going to start kicking in big time on a, on the money front next year. So we're kind of maximizing this window where we can pay a little bit extra for somebody else. Clowney's kind of fitting in there. But it's not overpaying. We're paying about half of you know, what um, Olivier Vernon's contract was looking like coming into last year. Now he's, we negotiated that down a little bit. But, I mean, $8 million is all that we're really on the hook for here. Um, and, and if, if we, we pay to, ten, that's a great situation because that's exactly what I was. That say. means You're that fine. he's yeah. that means that he's playing the whole season and that he's delivering sacks. Like that's the situation we want to be in. That's great, and um, it it just makes sense. We can draft somebody else. They can learn from a Miles Garrett and a Jadavian Clowney, like and sit behind and not have a whole lot on their shoulders in year one. If we take a defensive end near the top of the draft, I just like the options that it affords us and. It gives us the depth that we need. I don't think I think going into the draft without another like solid foundational piece on the defensive line, I would have felt uncomfortable because it would have felt like a true need that we needed to draft for. And now it feels like we can really like let the draft come to us and take the take the best players available. We don't have to force a defensive end in any one particular spot, uh, just like we don't have to really force any other particular position. And so um, I like it overall. Can't complain. I like seeing a guy that seemed to kind of shun us in uh, previous off seasons and not really like give us the time of day come and engage with the Cleveland Browns and get excited about what they were building and decide this is where I want to be. Oh man, how much more attractive are the Browns this off season than they were last year? I mean, we, we were coming into last off season with having never been a consistent winner never really showing that we could put it together. A lot of questions on the roster, uh, a first year GM and a first year head coach. That's, that's not exactly the ideal destination that a premier free agent wants to go sign. Um, I'm excited about the clowny deal. I think that the way that they're constructing this defensive line, like makes a lot of sense. If we didn't have a tack McKinley already under contract to, to be that kind of pure pass rusher on the edge, um, if we were relying on Clowney to do that down in and down out, that would make me nervous. Um, yep. But but I, I like how it's cohesively getting put together in the, the pieces that we're giving Joe Woods um, because I think that it's his preference to go with a, a smaller, more aggressive defensive line that'll, in especially in past situations, will just get after the quarterback. I was listening to Nathan Zagura talk on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast uh, from from last week, talking about how he expects to see uh, M- McKinley, Malik Jackson, Miles Garrett, um, and Clowney on the D line together a lot yeah. uh, in in any sort of passing situation, uh, which is which is very exciting to me to to see that you've got a guy like Tack McKinley who who has been hurt, but early in last season he had six quarterback pressures in the first half against the Seahawks. Like, dude, dude can do it when he's motivated, which by all accounts he is this year, and he's healthy. So we'll knock on wood. We'll see if he stays healthy. But it's going to be an ideal situation for a guy like him. He's going to be the least of everybody's worries, and he's a menace coming off the edge. Oh, yeah. No, it could, it could turn out quite well for us. Um, I'm, I am excited to have options. And now – the corresponding move that you kind of alluded to was the fact that just a few days after we signed Clowney, 
it was announced that the Browns released Sheldon Richardson. And I've been very interested to see how this played out because it it would have been nice to have the talent of Sheldon Richardson as another option and another piece to play with. Like that is my, my personal stance on this whole thing. Um, but he was due to make $12 million this next year and the Browns weren't on the hook for any of it. And so by that clears a clean 12 million off the books just by, um, sending him to the streets. And I, it seems by all accounts that it was an amicable separation. Like, I don't think there's a whole lot of hard feelings there. And the door seems definitely to be open, you know, for a potential um, Sheldon Richardson return to the roster just at a lower number. I would imagine, like, nothing has been reported, but it certainly seems that they would have, you know, asked him to take a a lower uh, salary. He opted to go test the market, and that's where we're at right now. So I would guess there could be further conversations, and there's an a chance that Sheldon Richardson comes back, but at a lower number. I'm not saying it's likely, but I think it's definitely, I, I don't think they're not picking up. I, they're going to talk to Sheldon Richardson again, I think before this is all said and done. Well, it's a, it's a tough time to be out on the market in the, in the NFL calendar. It's a, it's a really tough year, probably the toughest year on memory to, to be a free agent and try to try to get, get a deal, especially this late in the calendar. Um, so we'll see. I mean, and Sheldon Richardson's 30 years old. He's still an effective player, not probably worth playing up to the $12 million uh, that he was owed. And this front office does, doesn't prioritize kind of that position group, the defensive tackle position group um, amongst defense. It's kind of something that they, they don't – they did not sign Sheldon Richardson um, to begin with. He's a nice piece to have here when he was here under contract. Uh, we might be able to bring it back. We'll see. That puts us in a weird spot, and I don't think there's anything we could have done, and Sheldon Richardson wouldn't have solved this either. My concern about our defensive line is going for, after this year. <laughs> it, is, it is potentially a clean slate. We could have Miles Garrett and nobody else. Jordan Elliott would be Jordan the only. Jordan Elliott. Uh, having to rebuild entire position groups like that year in and year out scares me. A little yep. bit. Um, we could draft. I mean, we could draft an edge guy here at, at 26 in the first round, and then that becomes a nice like pillar piece. Uh, Andrew Barry talked about Curtis Weaver this week and said that he liked what he saw from Curtis Weaver and his uh, reshaping kind of his body, reshaped a little his bit. body, or remade his body, or whatever he said, which is exactly what you need to hear from Curtis Weaver. And we'll 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 see what he can do when when we get to camp. Um, I'm worried about this year right now. I'm sure that the, the front office is, is kind of thinking along the same lines. We, we didn't really have many options to sign guys to long-term deals because nobody wanted to do that this offseason. Uh, but going forward, it'll be interesting to see kind of where we choose to spend our money, who, who gets retained, who gets let go, kind of those things. I would yeah. love to see Sheldon back. I don't know how many defensive tackle snaps there are. I mean, but honestly, had. if you just – had Billings here like say you play the first half of the season and Billings is looking pretty good you get to the bye week and you have a conversation and he like wants to stick around for another couple seasons you might be able to get an extension mid-season for a guy like Billings and then you've got some options on the table like then you're not feeling as uneasy about the defensive line as a whole and it might not be Billings it might be Tack McKinley that's like having a good season rehabbing 
wants to be here. You know, I would imagine that Barry and company are going to seek out the value that they can to re-sign someone mid-season, um, potentially, um, to bring some stability to that to the defensive line. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, if Richardson comes back, which I would love to see him come back, and Mary Kay Cabot has reported things that you were alluding to that she yeah. wouldn't be surprised to see him back in the building at some point, that D-line is stacked. It just makes sense. Think about Richardson right now. What type of team would pay decent money, like pretty good money for a Sheldon Richardson? Contenders. What contenders right now have money to spend on a, on a player like that? Just about I, nobody. Like the Colts are like maybe the only one that you could probably put in there as a contender that have like a good chunk of cap space. Is there is there a comparable player out there who got a deal this offseason to Sheldon Richardson? I mean, I don't know that you could call him comparable. Like Leonard, Leonard Williams signed a huge contract to... But Leonard Williams is a lot younger. Right. And is playing, playing on the edge and had... Double-digit sacks. No, Malik, Jack- Malik Jackson's the closest. Which we signed for $3.5 million? Yeah, he signed for like less than a third of what Sheldon was going to make. And that's kind of where the writing was on the wall whenever you signed Malik Jackson. It was like the difference between these players is very, very marginal as far as their output. And so, I mean, I feel like you get Sheldon Richardson for under $5 million and that That would be a steal. Um and we'll see what Sheldon wants to do at this point in his career. He's he's getting older. This is a could be a really good chance to to win a ring on a team that you're not just showing up to win a ring. Like you've been a part of this this yeah. team for the last couple of years and probably feel feel a little bit at home. Um, all in all, I'm very excited about the the state of our defense. What we've done this off season to rebuild it. Uh, secondary, even uh, changing out our linebacker room a little bit to get more athletic, and then here on the D line. It's going to be really exciting, especially when we can basically just run the offense back uh, yeah. from, from last year, and it should be even better when we get healthier. And now we go into the draft. And we sit here in 2021 in a much different spot than we've been in Browns fans in years past. Ever. Typically, what I remember is going into the draft looking for a savior, looking for somebody who's going to kind of change the whole trajectory of the franchise, like the, the one piece that we need. This is a roster that doesn't have a lot of holes. We, there, there's areas we could shore up, but, but we don't need anything immediately. And Andrew Barry kind of alluded to that where he earlier this week when he was talking and saying he's not looking for instant gratification in the draft. Like he's thinking more, more long-term down the line, which is great to hear. It's for bolstering the roster it's, and gaining that stability. It's going to be fun because there's going to be a lot of different options in play. A lot of opportunity. Okay, so on the one hand, it is really nice. Um, it's still super important. We've like benefited from having this young roster, and like you know, the core players on this team are largely still on their rookie deals, and we're benefiting from that because we've layered in these. Um, you know, we've been able to roll over cap, and we've been able to sign these veteran players. But this is kind of the last year that we get to pull from both sides, and so. What that means is going forward, those rookies that we've brought in, you know, last year and then with this coming draft are going to need to play a really significant role. We're not going to be able to retain a lot of these players, you know, that we signed on one-year deals or bring in similar type players on the same type of one-year deals in the coming up off seasons. 
So we're going to need players out of this draft. Like, it is nice that we don't have to focus on one group, but we still do need to hit. Like, if we want to keep this train rolling, like, hitting on these draft picks is paramount. And it, I mean, it's really true for any NFL team. Like, no matter what stage you're in, you need to hit your draft picks. Like, that doesn't really change where you're at in the process. It's just a different viewpoint for us as Browns fans, like looking at this draft in more of a maintain the talent on the roster rather than try to like get us up to a certain certain level, if that makes any sense. Which is nice because you can trust your scouting, trust your evaluations, and take the best players available without having to try to force it into a particular position um, when when you know you're up and on the clock. Yeah, and we're largely we are at a best player, a true best player available position, right? I mean, there's a handful of positions that that we're not going to draft, especially early early on in the draft. We're not going to take a quarterback. We're not going to take a running back. We're not going to, um, I don't know, offensive line. We're not we're not going to invest in the offensive line because we're pretty pretty set there. Uh, but outside of that, you, I'd venture you, to say linebacker as well. Linebacker as well, probably just out of organizational ideology. But but you could you could improve any le- section of our defense. Yep. And make the argument that if it's the best player on the board, take it. We'll be able to figure it out down the road. Because yeah. even if even if they don't fit perfectly in the 2021 version of the Cleveland Browns, they could be a really useful player and asset going forward throughout the rest of their rookie deal. So looking at 26. Yes. Uh, Browns, it's obviously unknown who's going who's gonna to be available at that point, how the, how the draft board falls. A lot of things can happen. Uh, what do you want to see the Browns do at 26? Whether that's uh, p- positions that you want them to target, specific players, or even kind of if you want to get granular enough to be like, I want to see them make, try to make a trade, move up or move down. I really do like the way that the talent lines up with some of the positions that I'd like to see the Browns draft. The two positions I'd like to see the Browns draft is I think what most Browns fans are in consensus about, and that would be corner. That's probably our biggest hole at the moment and defensive end to get some um, depth there growing forward. Kind of, we were just talking about grooming somebody there and the draft has this like top heavy group of corners that are pretty good. Like there's like a four, even five. Some people include Asante Samuel. Some people include Eric Stokes, the guy from um, Georgia as a corner in that top group that's going to be in the first round. And even that other Georgia corner, what, what's his name? Some people like him more than Stokes. There's a lot of corners. Campbell, Tyree Campbell? But I think you asked kind of what I would be excited about. And I think any of the top four corners, but I mean, I don't think Sertan or Horn are even a possibility at 26. So I'm kind of writing those off. Um, If they feel good about the medicals for Caleb Farley, like that would get me super excited. I would also be scared because of his, because of his back. But like watching that guy play football is absolutely insane. Like he is an incredibly instinctive, incredibly physically talented football player. So if the medicals are good and the Browns feel good about it, like I would be excited about that. But but he's not going to be available if the medicals are good. Is kind of the problem. Like if he's there at twenty six, there's going to be some teams that are hesitant so fair point. about him. So 
if we get him at 26, there might be reason to be like, yeah, kind of no, risk I, reward. I'll, I'll be clinching a little bit if that happens, but I will definitely be excited at the same time. So in that same vein, probably the somewhat safer pick, although he's had injuries too, is Greg Newsom from Northwestern, the corner. And so those, I, I would be very excited about that. As far as defensive ends go, there's going to be talented defensive end options on the table. What I don't know, I wish I knew more about what the Browns value at that position. Like, are they going to go after the high upside traits guy, like a Jason Owe, who I have had many texts with you about how (laughs) I like Jason Owe and would be willing, like, the guy didn't produce any sacks, but had a lot of pressures. His measurables are absolutely through the roof, like as good as you could hope for for any defensive end prospect. And chase the upside. He's also supposedly like a phenomenal human being, like works his tail off, does everything you'd want. He was late to the game of football, started playing like as a junior in high school. All these things like – See, we like, we like people who are on time. It's very important to be on time. I, I do think that with the team that's being built right now, I think that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski really do pay attention to like a lot of character, and they do not want to bring the wrong t- type of people into the locker room. I don't know why people don't do that more often. There's there's just a lot of John Dorsey didn't give a crap. There's a lot of bull crap you have to put up with if you if you're not paying attention to the the character of the people. Yeah, I think that's why that they like. Doesn't Har- even seem worth it. I think that's why they liked Harrison Bryant so much last year. Like from reading between the lines, the way they talk about Harrison Bryant is like the way that he prepares, the way that he like fights, and like you know, and you it comes through on the field too. Yeah. But like you just want people like that in your locker room, and it helps build the culture of the team, and that uh, that all makes a lot of sense. So and Nick Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb's like the ultimate like yes character guy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Um, but so Jason Oway, like I really like, I would be excited about Jason Oway. I, I assume he actually will probably be available. Somebody could take him ahead of us, but I think there's a chance that we, like he's an option at 26, but then the other guys, like, I just don't know where they're all going to fall. There's mock drafts. You see where a guy like Quiddy pay is available. There's mock drafts where you see Jalen Phillips is available at 26. Do I expect to see either of those sitting there? No. Do, is it a decent chance that one of them could be? Well, well, yeah, well, that's the thing, and I maybe. don't think I don't think anybody really knows how how this is going to fall, even where any of those who's going to be the first edge rusher off the board. No, nope, nobody has a consensus on that. It could be Jalen Phillips, it could be Quiddy Pay, it could be Ojolari from from Georgia, and yep. kind of it depends on team preference, right? Because they they all fit in this kind of slightly different mold, and uh, Quiddy Pay is another super athletic dude who. Kind of his production wasn't what you wanted to see, but he's ginormous and fast as hell. Um, and I don't. We haven't drafted any edge guys. Ogbo was the last like edge guy we drafted. Hi, yeah. Like I don't even know what to. Th- I mean, Ogbo was a year before Garrett, but like Garrett was like such a seemingly like sure thing. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't even feel like. We were like, you're not even like there evalu- weren't questions. You're not there even weren't evaluating that player based yeah. on his traits. You're just like, oh, this this man is clearly very very good at football, and we will take him first overall. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I will I will say, Owe scares the crap out of me because of his lack of production. Like, there's there just are those guys where being a good athlete is is 
helps you dominate, helps you like look impressive, and then you get to the NFL and you're going up against other people who are good athletes. Owe is very long, which I like. Um, so so he, he's not only athletic, but he's got the physical traits. And this would be a perfect place for you to come into to, to, to learn the craft if you need from to. From Miles Garrett, from Jadavian Clowney on like his first year? Like well, he's... and you're also not expected to produce right away. Like you can be thrown in to contribute where you're, you're ready to contribute, um, but you're not expected and there's no pressure. Um, it's not like getting drafted by the Tennessee Titans this next year and it's like we need a pass rush now. Go out there and do it, right? So in, the, in that respect, um, and honestly thinking to what Andrew Barry said, that they're, they're looking to the future. They're not looking for instant gratification. It kind of makes me think that, that maybe they are uh, willing to, to spend some time developing guys who, who have a higher ceiling than, than guys who are maybe a surefire thing. Um, a guy I really like, kind of in a similar mold to Caleb Fairley. Farley. Farley is Jalen Phillips, defensive end out of Miami. Oh. That dude can play. Yes. That dude is so good, yeah. so fun to watch. So I don't think he's going to be there. fundamentally sound. Like, yeah. he's, he's athletic and he blows plays up, but he's also diagnosing things on the fly. It is just a menace. Oh. But has serious health I think issues. if there was no health questions, he's talked about as potentially the first defensive player off the board. Oh, I, th- I think he would be a, a top 10 player for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, I think he would be like in there the conversation for first defensive player off the board with you know the but top I think corners. I think Farley would be the the top corner off the board if he didn't have the Quite back possibly. issue. Yeah. So there, I, I, there's being there at 26. There's there's a handful of these prospects that they're not perfect, right? They they all have something a little that you have to overlook or or hope works out or kind of have trust in that either health issues or kind of developmentally they're, they're guys who are going to need a little bit more time to, to come along. Uh, but we'll see. I, I told you this the other day, if we, if we draft Oway, I will talk myself into that so fast. <laughs> of <laughs> he, course. He is not the guy who I would pick uh, at that position, uh, depending on who's available. But as soon as we do it, I'm going to fall in love with those traits and talk myself into that before, like, before the Ravens pick next or yeah. Ravens pick before us or something, uh, before the next team even picks. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on board, whatever we do. Uh, defensive help for me. There's, there's some talk that maybe you could go wide receiver there in the first round. I just I – I can't see it. With, with how this team values wide receiver, with the number of wide receivers we currently have this year, but also that we're potentially committed to for, for a couple more years as well. Um, we just I don't, don't think need I would that it, many high-value wide receivers. I don't think I would put it that strongly, though. I think um, it gives you lots of options if you do it. If there's a guy that they like really strongly feel really strongly about, it wouldn't surprise me. I just don't know who that guy might be. Maybe Rashad Bateman, maybe Elijah Moore, but it doesn't seem like our position in the draft and the value that might be there really like necessarily lines up. I feel like if we're going to go with a receiver, which I kind of do expect us to take a receiver with one of the first four picks, I am expecting that. Um, that spot at 26 doesn't seem like the ideal spot to take one. 
Yeah. It just it just seems like such a a big investment in a position that like right now we're we're like over invested in receiver. Like I don't think this is not how Andrew Barry would have built Exa- his, which, his roster. But that gives me more reason for why they would do it so that they can back out of the investment that they've got in it, like the financial investment that but they have in yeah, the position. It's, it's not a cap investment if you if you draft player, but it's still like a resource investment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if we're only yeah. really going to be playing two, three guys, we've got a couple guys on the roster that you like. I mean, OBJ's got, still got two years left on his deal. He'll probably still be around you've got dpj who came along you're not i don't really think you're counting on that i don't think you're counting on dpj to be any meaningful you can keep player. you can I, keep I, resigning like higgins for one year <laughs> deals every single offseason i mean my thing is i agree with you that i don't think that it's a position that is as highly valued in our system and in our offense as it is with other teams like the cincinnati Bengals, for instance they rely on their receivers a whole lot more than the browns do with the system we're running right now but if you want to structure your team in a way that lines up with the way our offense is set up, like you need a path out of it. Like right now we're paying $30 million a year to Landry and OBJ. And if you don't want to do that going forward, you need a path out and you're not going to go for a contending team. You're not going to, you can't step down and get rid of a Landry and an OBJ without having like significant talent to go towards. And the cheapest best way to get, you know, a highly talented player that you can rely on is in the draft. And we're seeing more and more receivers come along. I think we could definitely get one that can contribute at that level in the second round. I don't doubt that. Um, but that's why I kind of think that they're going to take a receiver to give themselves that optionality to move away from an OBJ or a Landry if they want. I mean, if grandpa was making the call, it would be OBJ yesterday, but uh, I don't see that happening quite as quickly. Yeah, he can't even remember his name. And when he does remember his name, he calls him Beckman. I mean, but this is kind of what we're talking about. We have options to take the best player available and to grow and build the team for the future. So, like, I'm interested to see what they choose to do and what that looks like. It's going to it's gonna be an indication of what the priorities are to, to some degree. Yeah, that's true. We're going to um, learn a lot. I, I just have to think that with this first pick, it's going to be corner or defensive end. Oh, my money's saying that. Yes, I and, bet on and the maybe, Browns to do that. Maybe a safety. It wouldn't shock me if they took Trayvon Morig. It seems like they could take a safety with that second pick, and a guy that like can play the still slot a, potentially. Still get a pretty good value. And there seems to be a lot of players that could potentially be there in that in that spot. I want to know if we're going to trade back. If we were sitting at 26, I feel like there's going to be a handful of players we could pick from that are kind of in a similar talent pool. If there's any desire for someone to move up ahead of Baltimore for whatever reason, I wouldn't be surprised if we moved 10, 15 picks back into the second round. And I, I would be all, I would be all for that. If if there's, pick there's, up a there's good enough pick value there for somebody to want to move up yeah. for, I, I don't think we have to be married to these guys at, at the end of the first round. Uh, there's, there's still good players. Um, we, we did that. No, we, when we drafted greedy, it's cause we, we traded the first for, for OBJ. Um, and then we had to move up four spots to take greedy to take greedy. Yeah, no, I would, I would love to, to, to move out, get a, pick up another second round pick, pick up some future picks. Uh, we, we don't need to stockpile picks in this draft. 
necessarily. No. Um, if if we did move back, I'd, I'd then like to see us kind of move move forward again and kind of not end up with eleven draft picks, just because you you don't necessarily need eleven rookies on this roster. There's probably not eleven spots to be had, but um, I could I could be really interested in that to to draft a, a defensive end, maybe a safety. Uh, kind of later yeah, on, maybe move even a to corner. like a little bit of a different tier. Maybe you still can get a guy like, like Jason Oway or, or yeah, no, like there's so many players that I kind of like in that next tier. And I feel like at 26, we're kind of at the beginning of maybe that like tier of player that stretches from you know the early 20s into the 40s. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of players that are kind of a similar talent level that if you move back, you're probably still getting one. Um, yeah, you could have. Um, Teams wanting to move up ahead of Baltimore to get either a, a defensive end or a tackle. Yeah. Um, who who they feel like could be there. Yeah, I think that would probably be the position is offensive tackle that would benefit the Browns the most if there's a like a strong tackle still on the board because the Ravens will definitely be in the market for one. What do you think about that trade? Hmm. Trading Orlando Brown to the Chiefs for their first round pick, and there was a couple other picks that swapped in there, but that's that's the headline. Um, I think I like if I'm picking a side that I think won the trade or that I think did a better job. I think it's probably the Ravens. Um, I mean, I don't think they wanted to trade Orlando Brown, but he kind of forced their hand, and that was the situation they were in, yeah. which makes it look even better to me, honestly, is because other teams knew that they kind of had to trade him. His did did you read any of the stuff that he said in his introductory press conference to the Chiefs on, like, why he wanted to play left tackle and stuff. Was it about his dad or something like that? It was hilarious. Yeah, I've never heard a player, like, make career decisions like this. He said that his dad played right tackle in the league for the longest time, and when his when he was coming up playing football, his dad said, uh, only play left, play left tackle or don't play on the offensive line. And so he promised his dad that he would be a left tackle in the NFL. And so, like, in high school, he played D-tackle for a while because the, the, like, coach didn't think he was good enough to play left tackle on the offensive line. He's just, hey, he's had the chip on his shoulder his whole effing life. And, and he, he, he finally he, knew he had the leverage, and he used it. He had the leverage, and he played his cards. Good for, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. I, he, I think it was an overpay for the Chiefs. I, I don't know what they're doing exactly. I feel like... But but they're in a win now, but like they they need a player who can come in and be productive right away. They use that uh, first overall pick, and but yeah, they're gonna have to pay like Eric money. Fisher because he's hurt. He tore his Achilles late in the season. He's not even gonna be ready to play probably, right? I, and, I don't the, know the specifics of that. And, the, and yeah. the same deal was with Mitchell Schwartz because he had back surgery this off season, and there was questions on whether he would be like able to play at the same level still uh i i give the chiefs credit for being creative like they have taken that offensive line and cut both of their tackles saved money and now have kind of rebuilt it and it's actually a pretty strong unit yeah but they're paying a lot for players that aren't necessarily i don't know they're paying top tier money for joe tooney which like do you pay top tier money for a guard like i i don't know i'd rather like have a second tier guard that I'm paying a quarter of the money that Tooney's making and maybe pay top tier tackle money, but they're going to end up having to pay top tier tackle money to Orlando Brown if they want to keep him. But it's only got one year and it's just going to be super expensive. So, but it's a question of like, 
market supply. Like they didn't have a top tier. They tried to go after Trent Williams. They didn't get him. There's no other top tier tackle out there to pay top tier tackle money. So go get Joe Tooney, give him the top tier money, a guard coming to pay. Like it's probably not how you ideally would want to structure it, but you got to kind of make lemonade with what you got. We'll see. Um, I think I'm excited about that trade because I think it makes the Ravens worse this year. Oh, in the short, for the Browns, like on the field, I think it makes the Ravens worse. They do have two first round picks now. And I just hope they but it, it's mess 20, those up. It's 27 and 31. Like uh, it, it, they are two first round picks. We'll see what they do with them. I, I mean, I, I would love to see them package them up and trade up and waste them on a wide receiver that and would whiff never on one used. and whiff on one player. Yeah, no, that'd be great. <laughs> But I take mean, themselves a Corey Coleman. Man, the Ravens have holes. They, oh, they do. They don't have They're any defense. edge rush. They don't have anybody playing right tackle. They're apparently signing Alejandro Villanueva, which is hilarious. Which is to fantastic. Me. Yeah. Um, go, go, put him at right tackle and let our uh, Miles defensive will, ends just destroy Miles him. Miles will get half the sacks on the of his season against Villanueva. Yeah, um, and then, man, they've got offensive line issues. They've got pass rush issues. Steelers have really bad offensive line issues. This is going to be a fun year. It's going to be a fun, fun year. All right. So moving off the first round. Yep. So if you get to pick at 26, who are you picking? Jason Oway. Jason Oway. I mean, that's assuming that one of the corners isn't there. I think my first pick would be one of the corners. So if, if Greg Newsom is there. I think if, I would probably take Newsom. Okay. So we're going. We'll go Greg Newsom there mm-hmm. at twenty six. Got yep. a a great athletic corner opposite Ward. Somebody we can lock in for for the years to come. I like that pick. Hard nosed, super athletic. Love it. The yeah. the biggest question I feel like with Newsom is he got his hands on a lot of balls but didn't come up with many picks. That's fine. Yep. John John Johnson will make the interceptions. Um, <laughs> You, or Troy t- Hill. <laughs> Troy Hill. Troy Hill will be there to, to catch it. All right, so fast forward. Uh, Brown's next pick is 59, Yep, I believe, in the second round. What are you targeting here? So if I go corner, I'm hope, I'm if a guy like a Joseph Asai is available, there's like another tier of defensive ends, like Joe Tryon. Peyton Turner. There's Peyton Turner from Houston. I like that kid. I like Peyton Turner, too. One of those guys would be like really appealing. I don't know if one of those guys makes it all the way to fifty nine. I think there's. I, I mentioned the safeties that I think like could make it. There's a lot of these um, safeties that are probably slot players in the NFL to a large degree. The dude from Washington. I for, I'm missing his name at the moment. I know who you're talking about. Um, you know how. When does Asante Samuel get picked? I'm sure he's picked by 59. Yeah. But a Darius he, Washington, the other TCU safety, is like real small. Yeah, but he's a, is a player. Guy. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of secondary options that I would like to see. Just to give us, we're gonna be if we're gonna be playing dime, we just need guys to play in the secondary. Like, you, I know that our biggest need is probably an outside corner, but I don't know that you. There's only so many top tier starting caliber like outside corners. And once you get out of the first round, you're probably, you know, running out of those guys. And so you got to get some players to just play in the secondary, give us some options. Ronnie Harrison only is under contract through this year also. So, like, then you give yourself some more options going forward. I mean, I 
I would still look pretty heavy at secondary players, even if we take a corner in the first round. And then, you know, the other option is we were talking about receivers is, you know, what guys are sitting there. I'm, I'm very interested knowing how deep receivers are and how many talented receivers there are in the NFL. Like, it seems like every team feels like they could use another receiver, but they also have, like, decent options in the first place. So, like, I, I don't know. And there's a huge depth in the draft. So I don't know what that means as far as, like, how quickly they come off the board. I could see a scenario where people just wait to take receivers later because there's a decent, like, depth there. After those first, you know, three or four guys, Man, like, I could see so many good receivers. One or two of those big-name receivers, like either Rondell Moore or Kadarius Toney, some of those guys are going to drop way further, like, out of the first round than, you know, where it was expected at a certain point. Rashad Bateman, I don't know at least a couple of those guys are going to drop pretty significantly into the second round. Um, and there could be like some nice value to take at 59. I don't know. I just think we have lots of options um, and we can take who we, who's there. It's great. Yeah. I think if, if we're going corner in the first round, um, I could, I could see us go double dipping and going back to the secondary um, and take, taking a safety, taking a slot corner doing doing whatever um i think that the highest position of need if if a, a player was available there would be that defensive end position if if peyton turner's there i, I would imagine joe tryon's gone osai might still be there i'm worried um, about getting to 59 having taken a defensive back in the first round and missing on that whole second wave of of edge players like they're not really being anybody left there that's going to provide any value like at at that spot. And then we kind of come up empty for the most part in the draft at edge. Yeah. And that, that goes back it's a to concern what, of mine. That goes back to what we were talking about, uh, the contract situation on our, yeah. on our defensive front is that that scares if, me a little bit. If, if you don't get one of these guys in this draft and then you go play this whole season with guys on one year deals, then you're kind of back to the drawing board a little bit. Right. Um, you know who we didn't talk about at 26 at all? There's been conversation about this. I've like tossed it in around, even on Twitter. I think I've like asked questions to some different people in in the Browns Twitter world. What about Christian Barmore? If the Browns go up and call I, the name Christian Barmore, like, what is your reaction? I'm not gonna be happy. I'm not gonna be happy. I I, I don't. I'm not like in the film all day, all the time. My perception watching a handful of Alabama games this this past year, Christian Barmore did not jump off the page often as being a, a dominant force for that Alabama team. I know that he is the best defensive tackle available in this draft, but that doesn't mean anything to me. Um, I don't want to go out and use this top pick on a player who I don't think is going to be super impactful long-term just because he's the best at his position group. Um, that's kind of the impression I've got. I do not want Christian Barmore. Um, if he's available in the second round, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he won't be. Like yeah, he's, I don't think he will He's, he's going to yeah. be gone. But like, that's just kind of where I, where I fall. I don't want to use that on a defensive tackle who, who isn't going to be an, an immediate impact kind of player. Yep. I don't, 
Okay, because hits. I think it's a legitimate option at twenty six. You know, he's going to be there. He's going to be on boards. Like you're going to be watching the draft coverage and the top. If he's still available, he's going to be one of the top few players. Like on, you know, that's remaining on Mel Kiper's board or you know whoever's coverage you're watching. I will gladly. He's he's one of those prospects for me that I would much rather play against than have on my team, and like. I might eat these words in a few years, but like I am not concerned if my rival drafts Christian Barrymore. Okay. That's fair. I hope the Jags draft him right before at pick twenty five so that it's not even a not even a temptation there. I'm very interested to see what the Jags do. They've got a bunch of picks. I think they have five picks in the first sixty five. That's a lot. You make a big difference in your team. You hit you hit on three of those, you're you're putting yourself in position. I feel like they're gonna take Rondell Moore, right? I don't know. Come on. You know Urban Meyer watched Rondell Moore at Purdue and just thought about everything that he could do with him. But he's already got LaVisca Chenault. Oh, but but Rondell's tiny and fast. Like Rondell's like a like a small Percy Harvin. Second with coming Jeff Dem speed. Dems. I watch. I watch. Sorry for the deep cut, uh, Florida Gator fan. Uh, I watch highlight, here, highlights everybody. of that Jeff Demps run against Kentucky, or, or the, that that counter play where he was just wide open and just just takes yeah, it. The, like, the entire defense had an angle on him, and it, you just don't ever have an angle on Jeff Demps. It's he's one a, of the more quite literally an Olympic level sprinter. One of the so. more fantastic things I've ever seen on a football field. Yeah, um, yeah I don't want to go defensive tackle. Uh, okay. With that, uh, I'd much rather go wide receiver than defensive tackle in, yeah. in the first round there. Yeah, my biggest fear with 59 is that we get into this range and, like, all of the, like, I'm going to see all of the guys get gobbled up in the, like, five to ten picks before us. That I'm going to be, like, sitting there, it's going to be four, pick 49. I'm like, all right, we're only ten picks away. And, like, all of the guys that I'm, like, super interested in are going to get gobbled up. And I am curious, since we do have some extra picks, nine rookies are not making this Cleveland Browns team. It's going to be really hard for us to um, hold on to all these guys. Are there going to be spots? Will they move up in the second? The second round would probably be a good spot if there's somebody, some guys they really like to move up a few slots to get somebody you want. There's a lot of people that kind of need pass rushers, I think, just before us. Um, in that second round in particular. So maybe scoot, scooting up a little bit in that second round where it's not as prohibitively expensive. Yeah. And What do you give up? A, a fourth round pick or maybe a fifth round pick to you know move up five slots or something like that? Um, I mean, I wouldn't hate it. To if, snag a, a, a Turner or a Tryon or a whoever, whoever happens to be yeah. there that you like. Yeah, I think, I think that would be – grabbing one of those guys is, is my – if we go secondary in the first round, grabbing a one of those edge rushers in that second tier would be would be great. A guy who doesn't have to come in and produce right away can can do what he can do, and we'll go from there. So this is a big picture question about like every time you watch the draft, we're expecting you know certain positions. You know, right now we're talking like corner, defensive end in those first couple rounds. 
but there'll be a pick you're like what we, we like, always what position? Get, we always get surprised you, yeah. you always get surprised like i think for years we've been expecting a defensive tackle like at some point and like we just waited and waited and waited and like we never saw that defensive tackle get taken last year i feel like we had a couple surprises like in the mid rounds you know, we took tight end. tight end, Harrison Bryant. Like, I don't think anybody expected that, but no one was complaining. They knew that that was, like, good value that was on the board. We took Nick Harris in the, you know, the fifth round last year. I don't think anybody thought we're, you know, drafting a center. But you like the player. Like, it gives you options going forward. Like, I, I, it starts to make sense. Like, is there a position like that that you could see the Browns taking maybe early that's not, like, high on our radar? I could see running back. The only I, problem I is the, the running backs suck to high heavens. Yeah, but I could see it, I could see a situation where there's like a, a couple good secondary players that we like in the third or fourth round, but then they end up taking a running back, and we're we're excited about like getting some other player, but there's a running back that they like. But I agree with you. I don't know who that running back is and like where that where that positional value is from a position from a position standpoint. I agree with you. In this draft, like I've heard everyone talk about how horrible these running backs are. Like even the top three running backs or four, however many you like think are in the upper tier, like have tested horrendously. Like none of them are upper tier athletes at the running back position. Well, I've I've never thought ETN was that great. I mean, he he produced like crazy in that in that offense in college. And yeah. I've always thought he runs weird. Like like that's a really weird critique. But like, he he doesn't run effortlessly. Like he, it's kind of this like funny like gallop that he's got to him that doesn't look seamless. I I don't know. I wouldn't be all that excited about any of those guys. Javante Williams looks like the mo- the best like pure running back to me in this draft. Um, and he was in like was sharing carries in college. You know, so it's like you're, it's a little bit of a projection. It feels like to even know what he's going to be at any rate i agree with you on that position i'm having a hard time picking what other position might you know fit that criteria guard yeah like offensive line i think if we went like earlier early ish with an offensive line if you then, get like a third round guard yeah i mean we're pretty deep we've got a good i mean there's some players man we got some good like plug and play <clears throat> production and so it's just I wonder how they view those guys that they have in the building. That and they, Drew they Forbes, who sat out last year, yeah. too, gets versus, added to the mix. Versus what the value might be to add somebody. Um, I can't imagine we add – I mean, you know, you could add a tackle, like, in the mid in the mid rounds to be, like, a future swing tackle. Hubbard's on last year of his deal. Could make sense. Somebody who you're not expecting to, to kind of contribute right away. I mean, we have a good offensive line right now, but you kind of want to maintain that strength. If you can, you know, bring somebody in that you really feel good about grooming into like a solid starter, you know, level player, I guess you you do that. Building, building strength in the trenches is never going to be a bad thing if you feel confident in a particular player. Yeah, I think last year's draft was probably an anomaly. What about quarterback? So, do you think this this regime is just going to keep having a veteran quarterback behind Baker? Like, I th- so I I I don't think 
when is the last time like drafting a developmental quarterback is like worked out? <clears throat> Kirk Cousins in Washington? Well, I think the way it works out better than anything is as a trade piece. Like you have a guy for like a couple years that has to come in during an injury situation and there's like so much value at the position that you get value out of him for movement. I mean, the Patriots have, you know, done that better than anybody, yeah. but it's happened in other instances too. I don't, I don't know that there's, there's really the value there. And my thought right now is this roster is good enough and the coaching staff is good enough that like if Baker goes down, I want somebody who can come in and we can win football games. Like you saw – a uh, couple seasons ago with Teddy Bridgewater in New Orleans. You know, that team is stacked. Teddy yeah. Bridgewater came in and went 5-0. and And that's good right now, but that kind of makes me wonder if having a somebody come in now, we're paying Case Keenum like $8 million seven, a year. Seven, I think. Something um, like that, yeah. You know, that's a good chunk of change. Like, to not have to pay a guy like that sort of for your backup quarterback to be making a million dollars instead of eight. Like that helps our roster construction significantly. So that's just the trade-off. Like you, these are the questions you got to ask so when you're the GM. Like, I, I thought about this not not with a rookie quarterback, but about Gardner Minshew. Like oh. I feel like Gardner Minshew would be a great backup. But then I thought, who would I rather have if Baker goes down? Do I want Keenum coming in to play like important games, or or Minshew? Minshew would be really fun. But I think I want Keenum actually taking those snaps with the experience and probably puts our team in a better spot. So I don't know. Uh, is there a guy that's even worth it? Like, no, I mean, I'm not saying that I've got anybody in mind, but like, that's another position that like, I don't think anyone's even thinking about, but I don't know that it would entirely, I can see the narrative for why it would make some sense to I, I draft could, a quarterback in the fourth round. Or I could see like us that. taking another tight end. Yeah. In the mid rounds. If, if another uh, Harrison Bryant situation kind of happens where a guy falls and you think it's great value, we've got so much flexibility at that tight end position that if you've, if you've got a guy that you feel like you can play, you can move on from Hooper, you can let Njoku walk, you can do a lot of things that you need to do in that uh, position group. For sure. And that's not something coming into this draft where I'm thinking we need to go draft a tight end, but – this time next week, if we have a tight end, <laughs> it's, it's not going to be the most surprising thing. Um, finally, this this will be the last round that we do. We've got two picks in the third round. Where do we need to go? Like, like if we if we if we get secondary help, if we get D line help in the first two rounds, whichever way that goes. I mean, what I'm really interested most of all with these picks to see if receivers. we make them both. They're two picks apart. It's like pick 89 and 91, I think, Something as like it that, currently yeah. sits. And I'm just interested to know if we end up making both of those picks right there. It's so hard for us to know right now who the type of player is going to be there. It seems like there might be a defensive tackle at that spot from the value, like when you do some of these mock draft type things. The defensive tackle class sucks, by and large. But that's where you start to maybe get like a depth type player that you, you could select, you know, there. I, that could make some sense. I mean, other than that, like there's nothing really jumping out to me. If you haven't taken a receiver, a receiver could make some sense here. I, 
we'll see. This I, is, I think one of these is going to move. Either we're going to move up with one of these to go somewhere, or we trade out and get you know value in next year's draft. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me at all if they. If but they here's here's like to this. me where the draft really starts to converge, and you like your valuation of different players changes so much. And uh, this is, I mean, if there's a guy that you really like, regardless of position, now that we're in the third round, go take him. You know, yeah. th- this is not somebody you need to contribute on offense or defense in year one necessarily. They're playing special teams, developing. I mean, like, that's what we years. saw last year. Think about who we drafted in the third round last year. We took, um, what's his face? The Phillips. Defensive tackle, no. Jordan Elliott. We and Jacob Jordan, Phillips. And Jacob Phillips. Yep. You know, no one thought Jacob Phillips was going in the third round. They saw him as more of like a fourth or fifth round type um, linebacker. But the Browns valued him much higher than than some others for some of the specific traits and stuff he brings to the table. Yeah. Like, that's the type of player you're talking about. Like, end of the third round, like, go get the guy that you want that fits what, what you need. This would be a great spot to get a wide receiver, to add a wide receiver who, who you think can be something in the future. Yep. Give you that flexibility going forward. I would love to see that. Any other final draft thoughts? Obviously, we have more draft picks in the in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds. I don't think we have a seventh rounder again this year, do we? Um, I think we do. But I am I'm mostly concerned that I'm not going to get to see all of this draft. You're traveling. That's a that's a bad uh, bad family planning move. Michael. Yeah. Well, I didn't really have much of a choice in this situation. I was kind of um, it just kind of happened. Um. I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. during this, not in Cleveland, which would be my first choice, obviously, um, while the draft is being held there. Um, man. How, how amenable do you think your uh, extended family on your wife's side is going to be to you being glued to your phone? Oh, I'm going to be, I want to be in front of the TV. Like, I do not want to be like, on my phone. I mean, that's like, that's like the, the lowest bar is on the phone. Is there... I could maybe sacrifice like an hour early in the draft, like where I had to just stick with the phone. But like, I really want to be there taking the whole thing in. What is, what is your plan for Thursday night? I don't know. Do, I, do you have a brother-in-law who will watch it with you? Who cares? I, I, I don't really enough? care. I don't. I would love that if any of them want to watch the draft with me, but I'm not expecting it in any way, shape, or form. I, I put a stake in the ground. I said, I'm willing to do whatever we want to do whenever we're there. The one goal of mine is to watch the NFL draft and spend time with my family. The, the good news for you is with the modern draft format, it's all in the evenings for those first two days. Yeah, I've got kids that have to sleep, so this is what I'm hoping. Yeah. That I can have like the kid watching duty like back in the hotel yeah, for, room. Yeah, for all like 12 of them that are in the extended family, yeah, you'll, you'll watch the kids. You'll be in, in room 402. Yep. Kids will be down the hall somewhere and holler at uncle Mike. If you need something, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I will be paying close attention regardless of where I'm actually sitting. Well, I will, I will be here watching hopefully with, with my dad and other brother. Uh, and we will be waiting with bated breath. Looking forward to it. Um, uh, as always, that's what we got for the podcast this week. Thanks for, <clears throat> thanks for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. Uh, Reach out to us at Sin of Our Fathers on Twitter, at Sin of Our Fathers on Instagram, if Mark is still updating that thing. Um, I don't think I ever had the login info. You um, could uh, send us an email if you have a question or something you want us to talk about on the next pod. Um, sin of Our Fathers at gmail.com. Go Browns. Enjoy the draft. Um, 
and get yourself a couple beers in you before that Browns pick. Um, we got plenty of time. That's the best part. <laughs> plenty of time to drink a couple beers. All right, everybody. Or Enjoy. Milk. Or milk. Or milk.